0: Good evening. My name is Ken Forrest, and it's my responsibility to teach this Wednesday evening Bible class. This is a class conducted by the Boonville Church of Christ, and we're honored that you've chosen to be a part of our study tonight. This is just another part of a series of lessons that dealing that are dealing with how we develop a servant mentality. Tonight, I want us to be thinking about developing the heart of a servant. Now, if I'm going to have the right mentality, you know the scriptures teach that as a man is thinking in his heart, so is he. We realize that fine line between the heart and our thoughts. So if we're going to have the right kind of mentality, if we're going to think right about serving others, then we're going to be thinking about that genuineness that we have hit over the last three lessons from Romans chapter 12. And we're going to do our very best, not just to go through the process of doing things for other people, but of doing it with the right motivation, of doing it with the right heart. Before we start our study, let's pray together that God will bless us and help us to develop the very thing we're studying tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we can look at your word, and Lord, I, I just pray that you'll help us truly to be committed in the right mindset of developing all these things. We're laying a lot of things on the table, but I'm praying, Lord, that it's instrumental in changing us or helping us to head in the right direction. Father, please forgive uh, the past mistakes that we've made, or maybe our our inability, or even insincerity, and help us, Lord, from this point forward to really develop the heart of a servant, to be driven by love and our desire to do as we ought to do, and not as we just simply feel we have to do. And Lord, when we do it, I also pray that you'll be glorified in that, and that in all of our actions, we're lifting you up. Help me tonight, Lord, to communicate the things I've studied and try to prepare, and I pray for our hearers that it really will make a difference in their hearts and in their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess maybe the the obvious thing would just be to ask ourselves a question, you know, do, do you, do you already have the heart of a servant? If you are inclined to say yes, just maybe so you can just move on further, I, I, I would ask you to kind of back up there for a minute and maybe begin to think, okay, if I think I have the heart of a servant, what's, what's the evidence of that? You know, how is my heart evident well, you may present a lot of examples, or just being honest and genuine, you may say, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm modest in this." I'm, you just ask the question, and and here's how my life unfolds. And you know what? Uh, maybe it is, and I hope it is. You already have this heart that we're seeking to develop. But in every case, whether we're sincere or not, there's always room for growth. And I would imagine that for those who really are genuine in their service and have developed a heart that puts others first, that the primary motivation behind that is the relationship that you have with Jesus. You look at Jesus as the perfect servant, and you're just just naturally becoming a great servant because all you're trying to do is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, we've been here at Boonville for several months now, and I'll just be honest with you. I I have seen in this congregation incredible servanthood and people who do things or or offer uh, their services without any expectation of return. Uh, A lot of things are done in an anonymous sort of way you know, all of that ought to make us feel good. But let's, let's don't get to the point where, you know, God forbid we just stop and congratulate ourselves that we've arrived, but always striving, always trying to do better. So a part of that, maybe the most important part of that, is the very thing that we're going to talk about tonight, of having the right kind of heart as a servant. Now, I'm just going to I'm, I'm listing uh, several things to describe as best I can what a servant heart is. And since Jesus is our pattern, I'm, I'm also going to be including some insight into the life of Jesus. I, I am not trying to say that everything I note tonight is evidence of that heart because there are probably an infinite number of things that we could point to. But these are some things that are just so evident, and, and that's what I was getting at when I asked, do you, do you know what it is that's evident in your life that would indicate the right heart? Here, here are some things tonight that are going to do just that. And when I think of a servant who has the right heart, I'm thinking about a person, a servant, who humbly serves other people. Now, you see that immediately with Jesus, right? And we've already talked about a passage at length, but I just wanted to to reiterate it, and there'll be several of those tonight, just to bring back to mind the kind of heart that Jesus had, and then of how the scriptures point to that, and then encourage us to have the same thing, to be, to be like Jesus, to walk in his footsteps. The text that I would point to is Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I admit there's a lot to be discussed in those verses, and we certainly can't touch on all of that with the matters that we have at hand. But I just wanted to remind you of this beautiful passage wherein Paul is expressing his desire for a congregation or a group of congregations in Philippi. And he's like, look, there are some things I'm expecting are in place with you already, and you'll fulfill my joy by not just not just having, you know, a, a union of believers, but unity itself, at that one-mindedness, of one accord, of one mind. If you will have that, then you will be following. He says, in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus emptied Himself of the glory of heaven. Honestly, to boil it down, in order to come and serve all of humanity, but not just the humanity of his own time and of those of his personal experience, but of all those who had ever lived and all those who ever would live, Jesus emptied himself the glory of heaven so that he could come and be a man in the flesh and experience all that there is to experience in the flesh And then without sin to die on our behalf so that we could live. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate expression of how a servant humbly. Now, there's no greater humility than him humbling himself, giving up his glory and coming here of a servant who humbly serves other people not just of his own time but of all time if you and I are going to be servants we're going to have that you know that same mindset we're going to we're going to serve other people humbly we're not going to do it because they've done something for us and we feel indebted to them we're going to do what we do in service to others because it's simply the right thing to do or because they need us you know they they need what we have to give and we're not holding it back simply because either they've wronged us or because we don't feel somehow indebted to them. Also know that servants not just are going to humbly serve, but they're looking for an opportunity to serve others. Now here again, Jesus is the great exemplar of what it is to seek out the opportunity to serve In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And here's how he serves. To give his life a ransom for many. Now there's a lot in that passage as well. But some important notes to recognize is that for one thing, here's the Son of Man. You know, Here's the Son of God who has come to earth. We all want to worship him and, and lift him up. But he says, wait a minute, the, the Son of Man didn't come for that, didn't come to be served. He came to serve us. And here's how he did that, by giving his life a ransom to pay for or to make right that debt that's been incurred by every sinner, ultimately being separated from God. Jesus offered his sacrifice of his own life in the shedding of his blood on that cross so that our sins could be washed away when ultimately we obey the gospel. So Jesus knows everything about what it means to seek out an opportunity to serve. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, there in that text, it describes Uh, a couple of things that are related to the idea of us being a living sacrifice. And he says uh, two things, distributing to the needs of the saints and to be given to hospitality. Now there are two mechanisms by which we might seek out an opportunity to serve in in a kind of fashion as Jesus served, looking for the opportunity. Distributing to needs, you see a need, not once, but, but there is a need that exists like in the first century when churches rallied to help those who were in Jerusalem. Those either who had been displaced initially or later those who were damaged or hurt by famine. Wherever a need existed, the church rallied in order to serve those who were in need. And then he also says to be given to hospitality. The idea here is I don't just wait for somebody to come to me with their need, but I'm looking for an opportunity to open my doors and to share what blessings I have with those who are in need as, as I see it. So here, here, are, you know, here are some examples of Jesus setting himself up that way. And then of us, in kind of practical terms from Romans 12, of putting putting our faith into action through trying to relieve some needs that we see that exist. There's an interesting statement that Jesus makes in Luke chapter 22 and verse 27. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves. Hey, I'm I'm one of you. But as I am among you, as I am one of you, my, my whole desire, my, my inclination is to serve. Now, I want to connect that with another statement that's made in the scriptures that I just, I don't know, to me it's astounding. And that's Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. It's talking about the virgin birth, and the one who is to come was going to be Emmanuel. God with us. Okay, now, will you put those two ideas together with me? Jesus says, here's who I am. I am among you as one who serves. Isaiah says, he would be God with us. Now there, just kind of work it with me. Here is God among us, and what's he doing? You know, God is ultimately the, the object of our worship. We lift him up, we praise him, all that. Yeah. But Jesus says, I have come to serve you. That's God being with you. Wow. I just think, I just think it's so beautiful how God isn't about just getting the attention that God's God's earnest desire, God's focus, is not on himself. It's on it's on his needy creatures who had fallen into sin and separation. Boy, God loves us. And he loved us to the greatest extent through his own son. And then, I, you know what? I know that servants recognize the supreme service of Jesus. I want to think with you about a passage. Now, this is kind of... I don't know, those other things were a great segue into this passage because I want to think about Romans 5, verses 6 and following. It says there that when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, here's what I recognize about Jesus. I recognize the supreme service that He has offered me and everybody else, for that matter. It isn't like, you know, I, I had this great relationship with God. I was sinless, and therefore, I, I I offer myself to God, and He's 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 required to accept me. Not that at all because of sin, I'm automatically separated from God. You know, you sin, you die. That's, that's the Old Testament economy of things. However, Jesus comes and he dies for us. Not, not when we were righteous or, you know, a good sinless person. Jesus came and died for us when we were still sinners. That is, there is the prospect of, Of our salvation. Jesus is willing to die for us, even if there is the potential that a person won't respond to that. And think about it Jesus is dying there on the cross. Uh, Who's he got left? You know, he looks out at the crowd, and his disciples have scattered. He sees his mother and John out there, but he basically just puts his mother into John's care. All these disciples that Jesus had surrounding him had forsaken him, so he is alone on that cross. But you think, well, at least he still has the Father. But you know ultimately even Jesus cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is Jesus putting it all on the line. There is no there is no, you know, promise except for the foresight of God, there's no promise that from this moment on, you know, things are going to work out and it's going to be great and he's going to save all humanity. It's it's not like that. He's dying there on that cross alone. What if nobody responds to the gospel? What if nobody takes advantage of the blood that Jesus shed on that cross? You say, well, Ken... We know that by the revelation of the scriptures that, you know, the Old Testament, those who had faith, they they looked to the sacrifice. And those who are obeying the gospel later, they're looking back to it. And God knows all things, knows the beginning to the end. Hey, I get that piece. But what I'm saying is here is Jesus dying while we're in sin. We're not moving towards salvation as Jesus is dying. We are in the depths of sin and being lost. Jesus' sacrifice, his service to all humanity is the turning point. It isn't a response to people being good and righteous. It's, It's the antidote to that in the hopes that humanity in the future would respond to it. Of course, if you're a child of God, you did that. You say, all is well. Hey, great. But aren't there still many? who as yet haven't obeyed the gospel, what about them? There's that blood still available to wash sins away, even for those who continue in their sin. Jesus was so selfless in his sacrifice and in his service to humanity. And you and I as servants, we ought to recognize that. And as we recognize it, it ought to motivate us even that much more to do the very best that we can to see to it that all those who are lost hear the saving message of the gospel. That, that is the very least that we could do. And then I also think that, you know, servants, they face their own weaknesses and their own needs, now, Ken, how do I do that? You know, I, I am weak and, and I am needy. I, I, I do because I am a servant and I've obeyed the gospel. I do know that without Jesus, I, I was lost. There was no hope for me. And so, boy, you know, even if I don't identify a particular weakness or need in my life, well, certainly just in, in those terms, I'm, I'm so needy. And what would I do without Jesus? That Well, okay, if that's true, then let's see to it that as we're progressing to be servants who are following in the footsteps of Jesus, the ultimate servant, what Isaiah 53 said, the suffering servant willing to suffer so that that we could live. If we're going in those footsteps, then let's be sure that we're filled with what he is. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, you know, that, that idea... Being filled with, with Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Uh, not, you know, not being uh, filled with the results of, of wine and spirits, but being filled with the spirit of Christ. Uh, those ideas. Or Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I'm living as a result of his sacrifice and his service to all humanity, yes, but I'm commending myself to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Word of Christ. And then, you know, there's that passage that I'm just going to say figuratively, most Christians just kind of have in their pocket when things are, going awry or when we're tested, but it really goes back to the notion of trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and trusting that that's going to that's provide the way. It's, it's Philippians chapter four and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, who builds up, who makes possible, strengthens me. We're trusting in the Lord but part of the reason, maybe one of the greatest reasons of all, is because we recognize our own weakness and our own needs. Okay, now I have three more, <laughs> so hang in there with me. And I told you, these aren't, aren't all of them, but I'm trying to list some things I think are important. Uh, one, one other thing is this idea of just, I, I know that if I'm going to serve, that I've, I've got a I gotta recognize a sense of of surrender. I'm gonna live a life of surrender and sacrifice. Now that goes back to what we talked about over the last three different lessons. The kind of the, the startup statement of Romans chapter twelve, the reminder of what it is that we've been called to be. And I I get the idea reading this entire chapter that you know Paul Paul had at least great hopes for the church that was in Rome and he's hoping to go and to see them but as yet hasn't been able to and so he, he, he maybe is hearing about some lapses in terms of their Christian growth and he's just trying to build them up so here he just comes right out with it right I beseech you or I'm begging you therefore brethren by the mercies, the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the right thing for you to do in response to what Jesus has done for you. And don't be conformed, don't be made with the form of the world, but be transformed. Go through the metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, become the example of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I'm going to, I'm going to strive to, to surrender myself in terms of my relationship with the Lord. It's, i saw in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer me. So I'm, I'm giving something up. I'm, I'm sacrificing myself to the Lord. And as Lord's will is, that's gonna be my directive. As a servant of the Lord, again, not my agenda, not serving myself, my agenda is Lord's, the Lord's agenda. And if we'll, just, if we'll just keep Jesus as a servant in our mind, that will give us the direction that we sorely, absolutely need in order to be a success in these terms to develop that, that heart that we're looking for. I also recognize that servants, you know, find their identity in Jesus Christ, I mean, he's the one that I'm setting up as my pattern. And I look at like passages like Ephesians chapter 1, uh, bless, uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. But our one, verses three and following, an inheritance set aside for us and reserved for us. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord for that. Ephesians 3, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In our relationship with the Lord, being in him, he says, first of all, come every spiritual blessing. And he'll unfold time and time and time again through this passage, the very idea of being in Christ. Just like uh, Peter said in verse 7, we're reminded, you know, Of obedience to the gospel and the blessing that comes from that the shedding of the blood of Jesus we learn about the inheritance that we have as a result of being in Christ and of the idea that the Holy Spirit recognizes us in that relationship verses 13 and 14 as again we are in Jesus Christ I recognize as you do in this relationship with Jesus my identity. My identity is with Jesus. Look, we grew up, our parents told us we were great in one area or another. They built up our esteem. I hope that was your experience. But the reality sets in when we become adults, right? We recognize we're we're not, we're not great at everything maybe that our parents told us. They inspired us, they encouraged us. But now as we've We've made some maturity. We see things for uh, how they really are. And, you know, maybe we still aspire for greatness in some areas. And we're going to adjust our thinking and set out a plan or a goal in order to achieve some of those things maybe that we've hoped for. Or maybe our direction changes. Maybe there are other areas in our life that we want to strengthen or or talents that have remained hidden for years. We want to strive to build those things up. Ultimately, what it comes down to for the Christian is the relationship that I have in Christ that results in all of these blessings, manifold blessings, all blessings in Christ that come into our possession. What are we going to make of that? It ought to motivate us and drive us to find that, that place in the body wherein we ought to reside and then to serve the Lord with all of the fullness that we have within our capability. And then finally, uh, servants live according to the perspective of eternity. Look, we're going to live, but as we're living, where is our focus? In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we get a picture of the focus that Jesus had. Therefore, uh, seeing we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that is in a very uh, quick statement A reflection of what Paul had said in Philippians chapter 2, especially verses 5 all the way through verse 11, because you have Jesus, he's humbled himself, he is going to die on a cross. But what's he looking to? Is he just looking to the cross in the end? Why no? No. It isn't like, okay, I'm going to come live, and I was just going to be defeated. (laughs) Jesus came to have victory over death. Jesus was looking beyond the crucifixion, beyond the grave. Jesus is looking to the exaltation that would come by means of the Father glorifying him. That's what was talked about in Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11, right? that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father was glorified through the sacrifice of Jesus, and then the Father ultimately raised Jesus up, has set him at his right hand, and there it is, Jesus glorifying the Father through the actions of service and sacrifice that he went through. And now, he has set that example for us. I look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I look to that. I recognize all those who have come before. I even look at the circumstances I've faced in my life, but I am not just looking at the ground. I'm not just looking at, at where I am in this moment. I'm looking ahead to the Colossian brethren. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I'm looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. I'm looking to heaven, looking beyond the setbacks and difficulties of this life because I know that there is something greater. In the meantime, as I am living, I am living as Jesus. And living as Jesus ultimately means that I'm going to do my very best to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate example of service and sacrifice. And God help all of us to have not, not, just, the, the, not just the mentality, not just the thought of doing it, but combined with that is the heart of uh, the genuineness that says, I'm, I'm going to serve no matter what. I'm going to have the mind of Jesus himself, that whether or not those who are the object of my service respond or not, I'm going to con- c- continue doing it because I'm walking in his footsteps. Okay, I hope that as you examine yourself and, and maybe thinking over some of these, or or maybe you'll think of some other Uh, aspects of developing that heart, but these are some fundamental points, thinking about Jesus and then comparing that to what we ought to be aspiring for. I hope that these are some ideas that will help you in developing that heart and ultimately of developing a servant mentality. Let's pray together and then we'll be finished. Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for the blessing that it is to peer into your word and I pray Lord that you'll help us in our quest to develop the servant mentality that will be certain that we have really the heart of a servant which honestly is the heart of your son Jesus help us Lord to walk in his footsteps help us to be confident that what we are doing is right and despite maybe others turning away from us or, or uh, us not seeing results that will continue and be inspired by Jesus's action, that we can ultimately reach somebody and demonstrate our own service and sacrifice. Lord, help us as we've already seen to be the living sacrifice that sets the example of what's the good acceptable and perfect will that you have And Lord, just be patient with us as we're striving to develop these characteristics in our everyday life. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in us and through us. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.